I was working in Arizona at the time doing more administrative work, working on these like physical activity programs for these Navajo Nation schools, like Navajo Nation wide. Mm -hmm. And in a cubicle, beautiful Mm -hmm. landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, Every weekend, I uh, literally live like in the mountains. Yeah. High desert, sorry. And it was one of those things where I would go out every weekend. And uh, another part of like who I am is I like to hunt. Okay. I grew up hunting and uh, so I would find myself out there hiking or scouting or hunting when it's hunting season. And I would modify my like gear, some parts Mm -hmm. of it. And so there are a lot of these questions that I would like, you know, ask myself or find myself in this like, man, you love doing this. You spent hours on this. <laughs> yeah. And I was sitting in a cubicle one day and all this kind of hit me. This is Claim of Stories, a show about professionals working in the sportswear industry and the incredible careers they've been able to claim. Welcome to the Creative State. I'm Bima, and on today's show, I speak with Dwayne Dale about how receiving a pair of Air Jordan 3s when he was nine led to him pursuing his love of sneaker design and eventually getting paid to do it for a living. Currently, Dwayne is an innovation designer at Keen, a family-owned brand from Portland, Oregon. Over the past three years, he's been designing different advanced concepts as far as three to five years out. He initially found his way into the sportswear industry after attending the Art Institute of Portland through creating a niche for himself with a focus on designing bags and accessories. Although Dwayne has always had a strong passion for design, he actually began his professional career on a completely different track as an athletic trainer after attending North Dakota State University in 2007. Dwayne was raised in Shiprock, New Mexico, a small town located near the four corners of the Navajo Reservation. As a kid, he recalls using sports as a way to leave home and explore. When I think of the four corners and I think of, you know, how that, I, I usually always say the four corners to explain to people, you know, because like, a lot of people are like, where's Shiprock, New Mexico? Yeah. It's like four, by the four corners, because <laughs> the four corners is a tourist spot, like yeah. a big time tourist spot. And I'm like 20 minutes away, like driving on that, driving there. And growing up there, I think it is way different. And I don't know if, if anybody's been to like a reservation you know, it's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, like, they're all the same. Like, in a way, they are. But growing, growing up on a reservation as a kid, you don't mm-hmm. really know, like, oh, I'm growing up on a reservation. Mm-hmm. It's not until you get older and you start to learn more of, like, there's a distinct line, mm-hmm. like, that mm-hmm. gives you that there's a border. It feels like a state. Wow. Um, but it's not like, oh, yeah, I live in uh, Washington, Oregon. Like, no, it, it, it's a weird feeling of, like, you kind of are living in these, like, two different worlds. Yeah. A lot of schools I played with, for example, were uh, non-Navajo schools. So it's like you drive 30 minutes to play these schools because I live kind of in a border town. Mm -hmm. And where would you drive 30 minutes to? We would drive like, uh, so I lived on the south eastern border of uh, the reservation. Mm -hmm. And just over that border, like going, like I would be, like if I was on a map, if you were to drive towards like Texas or something, that direction. Okay. But you drive like 30 minutes that way, you play these other teams, and you just know right away, like, I mean, you know there's a difference, but it's like, <laughs> you know, you see the signs, like, entering this reservation. It, it's, it's funny how that plays on you over time, and mm-hmm. it's like, there's that uh, definite feeling of, oh, okay, cool, like, am I supposed to stay in here, or right. do I get to go do, do other to, stuff? Yeah. And that's kind of been a question, like, on my mind a lot, 
and you know, through going to school, through playing, I mean, I grew up playing sports and it's sports has, have like always been an outlet of mine to whether it's expression, whether it's uh, healthy, but learning a lot more, it's rooted back more into like Native Americans did like played sports yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And so I, I use that as my um, vehicle, if you will, to like leave. Leave. Mm. And the idea and where they push you is you go and you come back. Mm. You know, it's like the idea. Of Always like, come back. Yeah, you know, to be able to provide information or um, education to mm-hmm. the gener- younger generation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's super important. Uh, going back to sport, what 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 sport or sports um, did you grow up playing? I mean, I grew up playing a lot of baseball, mm. which is funny. <laughs> it's, it's desert out there. It's high desert. <laughs> it's uh, no grass. And no grass. No grass. I mean, if you get grass, it's, it's you, you know you're using so much water. Yeah. And that's a big resource. A big you resource. go down this big old line. But uh, baseball, played football, mm-hmm. basketball. So it was really a year-round thing once I hit, like, junior high. Yeah. And you just kind of get used to this. Uh, once one, one is done, you go on to another. Um, but, I mean, you know, from, from, from playing sports to, like, going to school – that for me was a big driver for like my parents to be like, this is what you should focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what is going to help you either go to somewhere else or learn more. And it's keeping me busy, I think, was the biggest thing that they could have done like as I was growing up. Yeah. Because you could get caught up in a lot of things. I was going to say, it's more so not to necessarily just keep you busy, but to give you something to focus on so you weren't, you know, getting in any trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I did read was you, you, you remember having a pair of Jordan threes at the age of nine. What was the deal with these Jordan threes? <laughs> the crazy thing is this was me really like when I, I think about three years ago, I, uh, really like, like to think back. Mm-hmm. I just like, I'd like to rely on my memory and like how I recollect a lot of t- things that happened in my life mm-hmm. and usually occurs when I um, hit different milestones, if you will, like whether it's a new job or it's a new place to live. These Jordan 3s, I remember I grew up, was born in 85. Yeah. You know, Jordan was getting to be in his prime. And so I got to grow up and my dad was a big fan. He was a big fan of Jordan, Dominique <laughs> Wilkins. Come on. And so I grew up, My mom, when I was old, my mom was like, my, your, your name was almost Dominique. Because really? he was like your dad's favorite player. that that's awesome. And uh, so, like, I would have pairs of Jordans that I kind of grew up with. But there was there's this one pair that was, like, really stuck home when I was thinking about why I actually loved footwear. Why mm-hmm. I loved not only the footwear itself, but more of the, the culture. Mm-hmm. And, like, how that has such a huge impact on, on people. It's, like, especially where I come from. Yeah. It was one of those... Um, Jordan 3s, I was running around. I think I remember telling you the story when we first met. But uh, my uh, my grandpa, in, in Navajo culture, your grandpa, you have so many grandpas. Yeah. Your mom's uncle is your grandpa. Your dad's uncle is your grandpa. Okay. So I had a grandpa who lived on one of the main intersections of Shiprock, New Mexico, and he would have these yard sales. <laughs> um, and these, these Jordan 3s, I think, I might have got them secondhand or my dad might have just found them somewhere, uh, like another store. And... And I wore these things to the death. 
<laughs> like holes everywhere. You're everywhere. wearing them everywhere. And I just like I love the shoes and and I remember at this yard sale, my grandpa would invite a lot of people to it to sell whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And I was the only kid running around at the time. And I remember running across this uh, there's this African American dude there, and there's usually like three or four of them around our town. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have uh, families out there, but there was just one guy. I'd never seen him before in my life, but mm-hmm. my grandpa is the kind of guy who's like, oh yeah, I know him. Like he's gonna sell over here at the this yard sale. <laughs> I was running around. He pulled me aside. He was like, you know, he's like, I like your shoes. And I'm like, thanks. thanks. And I'm like, these are my Jordan threes. Just bragging about. It. I'm like, yeah. I got these. And, like, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and he was like, you know, come over here. Let me, uh, let me, let me show you something. And then he had this like army duffel bag, like a canvas bag. Mm-hmm. And he reaches in there and he pulls out this. Uh, pretty clean like new pair of uh uh threes but in the true blue colorway wow and he was like you know what is i'll make you a deal he's like give me those off your feet i'll give you these and like same size that's it and i said like are you serious so like i look around for my mom my dad and like i couldn't find him because i wanted to make sure like this is okay can i do this yeah (laughs) because already i'm like yeah i want to do it and um so i said okay um he I gave him my pair, just dirty holes. I mean, the worst shoe you could think of it is. <laughs> and he gave me that new pair, and I was thinking, like, I wore them around. And it was, like, not until after that, until fat, or flash forward till now, it was one of those things where I realized, like, there was this really strong power of, like, sport culture. Mm-hmm. And for him, I don't know who he, who he, who he is, yeah. who he was, or, but he saw something as in, and I, I'd think back, like, if I saw a kid wearing Jordans to death yeah. and I had a pair that maybe I was going to sell, like, you know, like, I would feel so happy to give this to kid. Give it to the kid. Because there's, like, such a stronger message. And it goes beyond, like, the whole material. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a shoe. Right. That's why I think I really fell in love with what footwear can do and, like, right. kind of, like, the joy it brings me. Mm-hmm. And always, like, oh, there's, there's that always opportunity. Of, like, man, I want to work for Jordan. I want to, like, I want to do this. You know, you, you start thinking of all these um, bigger plans, but mm-hmm. that's kind of what that represented for me. It's like yeah. age nine, yeah. uh, 90, 1995, uh, Jordan with Rodman and like the whole, that whole thing. That's a, like, it's, it's amazing that you, you have so many different associations with one shoe. But the story about, I mean, what are the chances you meet somebody that also has a size nine, but a brand new pair of size nine? Yeah. I like, mean, that's the same. It, yeah, I mean, since then, I think it's just kind of, it kind of has been with me for a while. And I think it's one of the bigger drivers of, like, why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I decided to, you know, go down that route. Yeah. And so if we fast forward a little bit, um, in 2003, you enrolled in college at Valley City State University. Yeah. And this was on a baseball scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I know you played a couple of different sports, but baseball seems to be the sport where... You just were in your, you're in your zone. Baseball was the sport because I could get away with it, in, in with my height. Okay. Okay. Like I was fast in basketball. I was mm-hmm. like basketball is my favorite sport, but you get to a point you realize this is reality hits you. Like <laughs> you could go and be a point guard, mm-hmm. but a lot of these guys are six foot two. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, either I got to be super super fast and like super, super crazy with crazy handles, and, um, but. And I, baseball seemed to be that one where like I got more, a uh, little more recognition. Yeah. 
but it's one of those weird things and we, this is not really going off topic but this ties in with like this underrepresented uh i felt like i grew up so underrepresented like really marketing myself so hard or mm -hmm. like not even and so basically i took the first opportunity i could mm -hmm. and that was baseball okay and it was one of those like yeah i want to i'll play baseball i'll go to north dakota i've never been to north dakota never been to north dakota yeah so i was going to ask about that so you're leaving home yeah and you're going to north dakota how far away is that 27 hours maybe. 27 hours 27 hours uh if you would drive straight through obviously um but what I, one thing i didn't know and one of my coach would tell me is it gets super cold <laughs> you know yeah so but i said you know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it like it's for me it's like to pay for college get to play a sport mm -hmm. at the same time like I, I i was more focused i was more driven like this is what i'll do what it takes to get somewhere to learn a new experience at mm -hmm. the same time like I, I grew up the oldest of five kids yeah. and when you grow up in that kind of environment there's not there is kind of a lot of stress put on you but you feel it more with like like i love my brother and my sisters yeah. so at the same time like i want to be able to like get as much information as i could mm -hmm. to share with them to share with them and it, it would be almost a crime for me like no i'm not gonna take that Wow. I'll do something else because at the end of the day, I got to, I got to see them at Christmas. I got to, <laughs> I got to, you know, it's like, I got to be able to share with them. Or at least I want to. You want to share with them. Like what you've learned. This is what's what going seen. on. You know, this yeah. is, this is happening or like, and I think on that part, I have another, uh, another reason to be focused, another reason to like want to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that, that kind of went into the old Valley city baseball. Yeah. And so, and so did you go, thinking that you wanted to pursue a career as a professional baseball player or were you thinking this is great this is going to pay for my education and then i can take that into you know a professional career in a yeah. different way yeah you know going professional is always in the back of someone's mind like if you're an athlete you want that you want that you always want it but then again you know it takes i think a different person to to hit that area or that that time where you're like reality hits you again <laughs> and you're like yeah maybe this is not maybe it's not gonna happen. yeah this is not gonna happen like i went to school to get into uh uh to go into med school because mm -hmm. i grew up learning that you really only got two or three things that you should focus on mm -hmm. becoming a doctor yeah lawyer or work with like the navajo nation yeah and so like you kind of have that you, you you're not like like what else is there? What You're not thinking there? about all these other exactly. things. You're like, no, this is what success so is. So I became focused. As. Like this tunnel vision, like I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, got good grades in school. I'm going to focus on here. I'm going to focus on here. I'm going to play sports. I'm going to do this. And you reach that moment. And you're like, all right, this is, this is cool. I love playing sports. Yeah. But I don't, like, I personally feel like my bedside manner would suck. Like I would do not <laughs> have the patience for that. Like, <laughs> you know, and some people do. Yeah. And more power to them. And I'm just like, that's where I realized, okay. I'm going to switch this. And so, I don't know if it's okay. I'm going to go a little into the grad school mm -hmm. thing. But yeah, so I was going to ask you about that because you, you you finished school and you went immediately into grad school. Right. Right. And you went and you focused on sports medicine and athletic yep. training. So that, that was the result of me uh, sitting in my dorm room one day and just thinking about a lot of thought of things and trying to evaluate my next move. And it was one of those love sports, man. Mm -hmm. Love medicine. Love this. Combine them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 50 miles down the road there's a, a school a grad school program so like uh, yeah let's do it 
Let's do it. Yeah, and um, signed up for that and went through that 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 whole uh, experience. And I know it, it was uh, it's very eye opening. It's very focused. Mm-hmm. Then again, uh, it was one of those things I did for the next. Finished in 09, 09 or ten, and then um, worked for like three or four years after that. So you were doing that, and at some point, I think you realized that. You didn't want to continue to spend your time as a professional doing that. And I find it that a lot of people have a really tough time trying to pivot in their career, finding the confidence to like pivot and say, this is not working out. Right. I can't do that. So what happened for you? How did you, you know, because I think about what you were telling me about your upbringing and, and, and your parents and, and a lot of your culture. You know, did you feel some type of way about making that decision? I think um, when I think about that decision, uh, think about you know where I was working, and I think there in a lot of people's lives. You sit back and you you wonder like you know I could be doing so much more. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be that thought. I feel like that's going to be a given every single time. But there there are these moments that come across where it hits you, and you kind of have this like flashback of. What did you grow up loving to do? Mm-hmm. What did you grow up? You remember doing like what that was that came so easy. Yeah, and uh, and being able to you know, I was working in Arizona at the time, doing more administrative work, working on these like physical activity programs for these Navajo Nation schools, like Navajo Nation wide, mm-hmm. and in a cubicle, beautiful mm-hmm. landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, every weekend, I uh, literally lived like in the mountains. Yeah. High desert, sorry. And it was one of those things where I would go out every weekend. And uh, another part of, like, who I am is I like to hunt. Okay. I grew up hunting. And uh, so I would find myself out there hiking or scouting or hunting when it's hunting season. And I would modify my, like, gear, some parts Mm -hmm. of it. And so there are a lot of these questions that I would, like, you know, ask myself or find myself. And it's like, man, you love doing this. You spent hours on this. (laughs) Yeah. And I was sitting in a cubicle one day, and all this kind of hit me. Mm. And working on these cool projects, helping a lot of kids in the, in the Navajo Nation. And, and uh, you know, it's like I remember sitting back. I used to, we used to live in a small house in mm-hmm. Shiprock, New Mexico, close to the river. We used to call it Down Farm Road. The small house. The house. Tiny houses are trending mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in a tiny house. You grew house. up in a tiny house. Three kids. My mom, mom and dad. And let me tell you, like, one bathroom that was not as fun. It's not as fun. <laughs> and uh, we all stayed, our, our rooms were all in the living room, mm. which rolled into the kitchen. So basically one big room. One big room. Was our rooms. Wow. But I remember I would draw at night. Oil lamp was funny. It was, <laughs> um, and I you know, get a flashback to then. And I was like, I thought about shoes. And I'm like, oh, I asked this question. I even Googled it. What does it take to be a footwear designer? That's amazing. Sitting in there in, in my office. First thing that pops up, uh, Nike footwear designer job. And then it just highlights this degree, like industrial design degree. Wow. And I'm like, oh, industrial design. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> industrial design. And then I get all these images like flooding your, your screen. Yeah. And I'm just in my mind, like, I've been doing that. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for a long time. For a long time. And... I just didn't know like that that person is the person. Yeah. And um, so what I ended up doing 
after that. And I've been married, my wife's been married for 10 years, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, I might be only nine. I'm going to get this wrong. She's going to listen to this. Get you. And she's going to be like, <laughs> it was this many years. <laughs> we were married. We got married at my senior year in college. Okay. Undergrad. Okay. So that long. Yeah. Um, I went to her one day and I'm like, you know what? I think I, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I mean, she's great. She was just like, you know, if you want to do that, if you really believe in that, then we're going to like, we're gonna do it. That's amazing. And so it was one of those things where I just pursued it. We've both been to Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would drive through here, like on our drives back from a uh, college summer break. And yeah. Kind of do this big old. It always come through. Yeah. Okay. Big old round trip. And our little Suzuki Swift. Just the <laughs> two of us. No kids yet. Yeah. And, and so like. I made that transition. Really? 2014. 2014. 2014. And so in 2014, you moved to Portland. 2013, 2014. In there, yeah. Right. And so you ended up going back to school at the... The uh, Art Institute of Portland. Yeah. Enrolled there. And it's funny because they they asked. They asked these questions. And I've been to two colleges already, had like two degrees. And mm-hmm. this is you know, not bragging or nothing, but it was just like... I've been through the process. Just put yeah. me in. Yeah. Just let me go. Just let me go. <laughs> and um, they ask you these questions of like, these beginning questions, like, what do you want to be? What do you strive to be? And <laughs> literally was writing down like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I can do it. I want to do it in this amount of time. Mm-hmm. And two, two and a half years later, I just busted my like butt. Yeah. Because this is something I loved and didn't feel like it. Right. And I wanted to prove not only that I could do you know, this line of work, but mm-hmm. I have my own point of view. And I wanted to share that because in this this field, that that type of thinking is respected. Yeah. That type of thinking is like what helps innovation. other teams. Yeah. Innovation yeah. helps companies like push to the next level. Right. And so I started connecting these dots. And um, after that, you know, it was kind of one of those things I was I was in the search. I was like, here, I'm in shoe town. How do I I get in? Get in there. When we come back, how Dwayne's decision to create his portfolio with a specific focus on bags and accessories to stand out in a crowded space led to him landing an interview with Keen in Portland, Oregon. Stay with us. I'm Bima, and you're listening to Claim of Stories. Hey, everyone. Support for Claim of Stories comes from Portland State University's Center for Retail Leadership. If you want to prepare for a successful career, they can help by creating hands-on learning experiences focused on innovation, collaboration, and thought leadership. Visit pdx.edu backslash retail leadership. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to Claim of Stories. So it's 2017 and Dwayne is working on his design portfolio with a focus on bags and accessories instead of footwear. If someone somebody stumbles in mm-hmm. and wants to look at something, I just want to be ready for that. Right. That time. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I, I approached it. And I guess long story short, in my, my senior year, I was getting ready for my portfolio stuff. And there's a, there was an individual that came in and wanted to look at, just came in our class like, oh, I just want to look at your portfolio. Where were they from? Did you know? No, I didn't know. You didn't know? He was actually from Keene. Okay. And... This is works in progress. I'm like, all right, here. <laughs> and was it footwear? What, what what were you showing? I had a, I had a mix of a little bit of footwear, but I did more of a, a soft goods, uh, mm-hmm. more more to show again what I what how I think. Right. 
And I think that's where, like, a lot, when you get into like, younger people, that a lot of younger people think there's a certain path you should take. Mm. But like, uh, I, I want to be like, no, like, I don't think so. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, are not you, for in a, in a job like design or art, there should not be a linear like, line. Right. There should you need to go explore. Exactly. You need to enjoy the journey and see where it takes you. The push and pull. And I think. The more I think about it, that's kind of how I approached why I wanted the job and why I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. It's because I wanted to prove to people and whoever wanted to hire me is that this is where I've been. Mm. You might not see on paper that I've been in footwear, I've been at Adidas, or I've been at Under Armour, I've been like doing all these kind of cool things. Mm-hmm. But what you will see is that I did this kind of thing, <laughs> but I came back around and I found out who I was. Mm-hmm. And it's like to be able to do that and you found yourself. Right. And then you can show it. Like, and this is the result. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like someone's going to, someone's going to see it. Someone's going to see it. And that's kind of like the, uh, that was kind of the fun part, but it's the stressful part. <laughs> what do you, you mean? I mean, you live in Portland and then you, you know, you got, uh, Portland is Portland. Portland, uh, rent prices keep on increasing. <laughs> that, that whole yeah. reality hits you like, yeah. boom. Like, like you still got to find bills. a job. Yeah. yeah. You got to pay the bills. You got to, you know, and being in shoe town, so competitive, mm-hmm. so competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, and they're like world famous designers here. That, right. So it's uh, and everybody wants to get in. Everybody wants to get in. So what was when you think about how competitive it is to get in? What were some of the things that you were intentionally trying to do to separate yourself? I mean, obviously, we talked a little bit about uh, making sure you were coming with your authentic mm-hmm. point of view. Um, what else? One thing that I did uh, that was more tactical was I didn't want to show a lot of footwear. Because mm-hmm. um, you see that. You see that um, all day, you know, just because you can draw a shoe. <laughs> I think there are smarter people who think that, that it takes more than that. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to show them that I could do things with soft goods. So I focused on bags, mm-hmm. focused on uh, did these projects that showed how I was um, – creating these bags and this story that related really old historic ways of how Native Americans carried their babies Mm. to like blend that into with modern like technology. Yeah. And so I did that and that's kind of how I landed uh, um, this job at uh, Mm Keene, which is an interesting story too, like really interesting and how that happened. Yeah. Tell me Um, about it. (laughs) So the way this story happened is it was this, um, individual who came and looked at my stuff while I was still in school mm-hmm. and then later on reached out and invited me to this uh, interview. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right. And um, I got to the Keene headquarters and uh, I saw some of my uh, guys from school that went there, but they were like wizards and 3D modeling. Mm-hmm. They were doing like, you know, video game stuff. Yeah. I was thinking like, I did 3D modeling, but I did not at their level, that. man. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I was wondering like, man, am I just like, are they just bringing me in because they need to fill up? Like, <laughs> oh, no. So, like, I went into this interview, and the, the interesting thing is they had uh, three people there, and they actually said, you know, we're, this is not for this. This mm-hmm. is actually a different interview. So it was like a secret interview. Hmm. And so they asked me a lot of questions, obviously, and, you know, soon after that, I didn't hear anything, and and uh, I thought, like, oh, man, maybe it didn't maybe happen. Maybe I blew it. And then it wasn't until I... After Christmas, I shot an email. I'm like, hey, is this still happening? Yeah. You know, I'm still really interested, still want to do this. Kind of just shared a little bit of why I wanted to do it. And mm-hmm. then the next day, I got an email like, oh, 
yeah, we were actually we want to do this. So come on in. And so then to like this kind of second interview. Wow. And um, yeah, kind of not the rest is history, but from then on, it was another work in progress mm-hmm. because I got in because I was showing what I can do with bags. Right. And, and then what I was going to do was work on innovation for Chrome Industries bags. Okay. You guys familiar yeah. with Chrome Industries? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seatbelt buckle stuff. And um, that was the, the case for a while. And then I was just like six to eight months into the, the gig, I was... I had to, I wanted to have this serious talk. You were itching. Yeah. And like, yeah. I get to a point where I'm like, if I go to people straight, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, this is one of the things I think I want to stress to like younger people is sometimes you got to just go up and like tell some people a yeah. little bit like what you want to do. Right. And it, it's not so much of like, I want to be an astronaut and you're going to get there. But <laughs> no, but like if, if you're thinking stuff out and you're, you, you are evaluating yourself and you you somewhat you know yourself mm-hmm. in this area. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a, a crime to be like, this is what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I, I set up a meeting with my uh, my boss, my creative director. And I said, I know I love doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. My real passion is in footwear. Mm. And I said, if I can do that, basically I can show you guys I can like I'm good at More it. More what I can do. Yeah. And how did how did that manager respond? It was an interesting response. It was one of those <laughs> like, like like that look of like. Am I gonna get fired now? <laughs> like he's not the guy for the job anymore. Yeah. So um so I got that look and he was it was one of those, well, let me let me talk to the director. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's a start. Yeah. So it was for the past week, my like just kind of like making sure I'm on time at work, making mm-hmm. sure I'm not leaving early. I didn't want like any other excuse <laughs> any, to any like, reason. <laughs> but um, you know, since then it was one of those I got to prove myself. Yeah. And I took those, again, going back to being an athlete, I feel like it was like, I look for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Give me that chance to show you what I can do, and you can make your own decision. Right. You win or you lose. Yeah, yeah. You know, you make the starting five or you don't. Like, <laughs> I can live with those, yeah. like, opportunities and decisions. As long as you take the shot. Yeah. And so, you know, from, from then on, I think I just, my goal was just to prove to anybody in that company whoever else comes in contact with the work that I'm doing that I'm not there just for a title. Mm-hmm. I'm not there just to, to look like a designer. And mm-hmm. trust me, like going, going to school for my third time, you start to, you start to see like, yeah, who's real, who, mm-hmm. who's, who's, uh, who's, who's uh, going through this 100%. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you start to, you're able to say, who do I want to go to war with? Yeah. You, you get to these offices and you're like, you want to figure out which one of these designers mm-hmm. or uh, creative directors that you're willing to go to war with. Yeah. And, you know, and that, that goes to say, what, what are you going to do? You know, what are you and your team going to do to come up with a great product? Mm-hmm. And again, uh, that, that's kind of where, where I had it is I didn't want the title. I didn't. You wanted to prove that you I wanted were to prove what I can do. And, and, like, and like, this is where I found myself yeah. doing. This is like, Come on, like, let me, let, <laughs> let me, me do it. Let me do it. So eventually, you you do find your your way into this this footwear uh, design role, but you you end up coming in on the innovation side, mm-hmm. right? And so, what's so different about being in the innovation space than maybe your traditional um, product creation team? How I always explain it, and I explained it to uh, some U of O students that came to Keen because they ask they always ask the same question, mm-hmm. and how I like to explain it is. It comes down to a toolbox, mm-hmm. in a way. Like, 
designers all have their toolbox, mm -hmm. a certain toolbox. And how I like to view mine is I can go from a 2D sketch on paper. Mm -hmm. I can take an idea if I wanted to, 3D model that idea. And if I wanted to go further, print that idea or go upstairs, go up whatever, make this thing, prototype it, mm -hmm. do a lot more, you know, than just here it is, here's yeah. the side view, top view, right? You know, here's the here's the cool render of it. Mm -hmm. Like all that plus a little bit more. And that's the idea is you want to be able to make you want to be able to think in terms of you know this the shoe, what's it gonna do? And that that's that's the fun part I like about it. And that goes in with your toolbox. I feel mm -hmm. like in a way my toolbox is a little more expansive. Yeah. Because going to school now or recently, what I learned is that we're learning a lot more techniques that wasn't taught. Mm -hmm. Footwear has changed. It's changed tremendously, and so you're learning a lot more on the on the job. Yep. Yeah. And so being able to utilize stuff that are fresh in my mind is like that's what I want to capitalize on, mm -hmm. and that's where the whole innovation designer came into play. Because you should be more of a not utility person, but you should be a jack of all trades sometimes, mm -hmm. and and that's what I took to heart. Like for me, yeah. like yeah, I'll do that. Like, yeah, and not it was more of a challenge, but at the same time, that again just goes back to this is what I where I found myself. Mm -hmm. This is like this comes natural. So it's like yeah, I don't have to lose sleep over how I'm going to do this. Yeah, it took you back to maybe like your some of your childhood experiences, yeah. right? Took me back to yeah, even childhood to <clears throat> um, when I was modifying like pieces of backpacks or. I modified uh, Jordan 15 <laughs> when I was in junior high. Mm -hmm. And I mean, stuff like that. It was like, took me back to like yeah. those times. I'm yeah. like, cool. Let's just like keep rolling. Keep doing this. Like it was fun. You felt like you were problem solving. Yeah. Being creative. Um, problem solving is big. Yeah. You got to be a big, you got to be willing to like, I want to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. And then this another problem basically you want to solve it like five times yeah and, and do you, you solve it up. immediately or is it this is we're talking this may take you two years three years to solve this yeah i think if if they're willing to wait that long but sometimes i'm like if it's a project for example they want like this is what we're thinking can you go do something with it mm -hmm. you know you can i solved this three times this is what i came up with right you know sometimes it's like that you know like it's quick, quick. yeah so I guess in your experience now um, and in your career, has there been um, any special project that we can talk about that you felt like was a, uh, a major um, milestone for you um, at that point in your career? Yeah, there is, there is this project that, um, it's a footwear project. I won't go into detail too much, but it, mm -hmm. it's a, it was a project that I felt for me as early in my career that no, not many designers get this opportunity, but to be able to work one-on-one -on -one with a scientist, he's mm -hmm. a physicist, mm -hmm. and basically he brings me the re he doesn't bring me the research, but <laughs> he has the research. Yeah, he has you know the reason why we want to do this, mm -hmm. and my job is to collaborate with him and also utilize like some of the um, training and like, knowledge from like, sports medicine. We both come together, right? At the same time, at the end of the day, I get to put a face on this thing. Yeah. I get to figure out what this is going to look like. Mm -hmm. and I can tell that whole story. Yeah. And so really, there was like three or four people on this team. 
and you're the only designer, so it's like being able to push that direction. Right. And that to me was a a milestone. And I mean, I, I felt like the result of that whole thing was uh was awesome mm-hmm. because uh I've created actually a really strong relationship with this said scientist, <laughs> and um, he, you know, if anything, has become sort of a mentor to me. Okay. Because he was actually a consultant that came from a much bigger company. Yeah. So you guys spent so much time together, like a yeah. real unique, authentic relationship. Yeah, so there were times where we were we were in a room by ourselves, mm-hmm. both of us sketching. Yeah. Music playing. Yeah. He likes jazz, so there's a lot of jazz playing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we had this concept from all these 3D models to like everything made one to one scale. And then we actually went and we made it hmm. like a legit prototype. Someone can walk in. Yeah. Then he was going to test it. And just to see all that stuff. And it's like, it's still crazy to just, yeah. It goes from sketches to computer to like a real physical product yep. prototype in front of you. <laughs> And see other people wear it. And see other people wear it. Does it ever get old? No. (laughs) And it's like really roughed up looking mock-up. Yeah. But it's 100% functional. It's amazing. And you're just like, yeah, you really, it's one of those, you you should always take a step back and be like, oh man, this is, at least for me, going back to where I grew up and um, I'm like, yeah, it'd be, I don't know, it'd be different if I had a lot of friends who grew up where I grew up or other reservations and they mm-hmm. were like just I'm like hey man this is what's happening but yeah. no it's not I was like nobody <laughs> I was like all my sisters yeah like no one in this industry mm-hmm. that would be able to relate on that same level yeah which is uh, a little bit sad a little bit but it's I mean at the same time like you know that's why I wanted to do this that's why I like what uh, what's going on here is because like I mentioned before I could sit back and complain a lot about stuff but at the same time i want to be like what do you want proactive mm-hmm. you know let's mm-hmm. get the word out man. let's get the word out let's get more people in here because there needs to be that yeah yeah i mean that's what makes especially when you're talking about innovation um i mean what makes innovation go is those different points of views those different people in the room um to help us bring in our collective experiences to come out with a a legit solve to a problem yep right and it's crazy how Age difference, mm-hmm. culture difference, mm-hmm. you know, racial difference, mm-hmm. all, you know, makes a great product. Yeah. And then just seeing you know, today, like companies notice that. They, they know that it's a very important. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to go back a little bit into um, what uh, this relationship I had with yeah. um, my coworker at the time. But uh, one of the things that made it special is I did a project with him. I was working on these chrome bags. We were utilizing a wind tunnel, hmm. more of a makeshift wind tunnel, <laughs> very science project like, <laughs> and we never really talked then, but it was until he came back on for this project where I found it very, very, very interesting, very enlightening of how before he started this project, he, you know, he kind of caught me one-on-one and he's like, Hey, he's like, he's, he's Italian. Mm-hmm. He has this little accent about him. <clears throat> Thinks he's cooler because he has this accent. <laughs> um, but he's like, he's like Dwayne. He's like, I, hey. it's like I see that you know, you're you're always adapting, hmm. you're constantly adapting. He's like, you're really good at it, you know. 
He's like, what I want you to do for this project we have. He's like, I don't want you to adapt. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want, I don't want you to try to adapt like how people think you should act or think you should respond to things. He's like, I, I, I want like 100% you hmm. in this project. Wow. Like to me, that was one of the. That's powerful. The, yeah, one of the most powerful things I've heard because I thought back to grad school. I thought back to undergrad where I like was the only one. Like, yeah. So it looked like me in the class. Self-preservation, you were automatically. Exactly, and you don't realize yourself. it. Yeah. You know, you don't realize it when you get so far into your your life that you like you don't think about it like that. Mm-hmm. But for somebody to come in and just like notice that, and he was like, because I think what he, again, the reason why I like him as a mentor is because he has worked at these uh, big companies and he knows what it takes. Mm-hmm. And if you start to involve a lot of outside things and you're not getting 100% of this designer or a creator or collaborator, this project is... It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go, go as far as you both want it to. Right. Because it can go so much further if you're bringing in your unique insight. Right. That someone else on the team doesn't have. Right. Right. So, yeah, since then, I, I mean, that was one of the things I appreciated the most uh, about him saying that because it's kind of become one of those things I think back to even now. Mm-hmm. And what I, it, you know, kind of lives with me and like, you know, you stop doing all that. You stop, you yeah. be who you be are you. in like these situations. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get caught up in like trying to change. Mm-hmm. They're sketching like this. I'm thinking <laughs> of footwear. Like they're sketching like this. I want to. I want to do that. Like yeah. you can't, man. Yeah. And so now, I, I, when you think about when you're going through that creation process, um, are you intentionally bringing in inspiration and elements from growing up and from your background into yeah. that process now? All the time. Wow. All the time. It, it's again like it. I remember a lot of a lot of the first shoes that I've like when I was old enough um, to get like not not buy on my own but to like beg your mom, <laughs> you know. And their answer is like her answer was always to me if I wanted to get new basketball shoes, you better have all A's, <laughs> no B's, yeah. no B pluses, like all A's and report A's. cards. You can't miss a day of school. Mm-hmm. Like there is this like strict guideline mm-hmm. and. And then so like a lot of those things stay like in my mind for a long time. And one of the first pairs of basketball shoes that I remember getting was in fifth grade, uh, 1995 Air Max Uptempos with the white and the teal and like the <laughs> air bubbles exposed. Yeah. And like from then on, it was one of those moments of, you know, this stuff sticks. Yeah. Love it. And, and I think back to it, it sticks because there was something about the design even when I saw right. this on the shelf. There's something about there that something language. The form, you know, mm-hmm. that... And so, like, I carry that a lot. Yeah. You know, not not to to make a lot of stuff look like certain or other shoes, other brands, but it's you keep that feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you, you can't, you don't, or you can't expect the your your next coworker to have the same feeling. No. So this is this for me is always my point of view. Yeah, that's your superpower. And you know, you might have Air Max like up tempos wear them in a city but you've never worn air max up tempos or jordans on reservation like this mm-hmm. is straight dirt mm-hmm. basketball shoes act way differently on dirt absolutely yeah and it i don't know it, it's uh definitely carried on I'll definitely try to 
always have that point of view when it comes to projects or design elements I mm-hmm. I want to put into something. Yeah, I'm sure like it, it. I'm sure that the kids that look up to you and and your family definitely appreciates that. You know that you're not hiding that. You know, that that's that's super important. Um, but it also leads me into my 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 question as we wrap up. Um, and you and I have talked about this, and it's a lot of the reason why we're doing what we're doing today. Um, there are a lot of underrepresented professionals, aspiring professionals, that want to join this industry. Um, what advice would you have for them, specifically in the interview process and how they present themselves? Um, what advice might you share? I think it just goes back to, again, the, this message of, you, in a way, you don't have to just stop adapting. Mm-hmm. Right, and th- this is not to go into uh, this area of like, don't do the interview process the same. Like, no, don't get too crazy. But <laughs> at, at an internal level, you gotta like be able to take some like internal notes and like personality notes on yourself, and, and try to cut out those areas where you feel like you're adapting mm-hmm. to a lot of the stuff. Because then, this company, this future company that's interviewing you, or if you're deciding on what you want to do. You need to stop adapting. Yeah. Let let yourself kind of be that. That was Dwayne Dell. He's an innovation designer at Keen, and he's been with the company since 2017. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. Find out more about Dwayne and get access to all of our episodes on our website at claimastories.com. And while you're there, please give us a review. If you'd like to connect, follow us on Instagram at claimastories. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo and Adrian Anaya with music composed by VDOT of The Creative State. Thanks also to Oilong Maui and Kate Williams. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to Claima Stories.